Welcome back to It Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins. And in this episode, I get to talk to the lovely Kat Reed from SRG. An extraordinary conversation we have regards to something I quite I I push quite a lot in a lot of stuff I do from video, even in these podcasts as well. The accountability you have to have when you're applying for your next job going from interviews, questioning, having constructive questions, talks a lot about this, having those conversations with the hiring managers to find out more about the job. We all talk about it, interview the the company that you're going for and as much as they interview you. And I think this is extremely important for you to find out, is this company right for you, your career, your future? Because you are in charge of that. Hence why it's the accountability of your job search. I'll catch you on the flip side. I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's Kat Reed, everyone. Yay. Hello. Hi. Hello. How are we doing? It's Hello. I'm, f- I'm hoping that you have subtitles for this. This is, yeah. So you've got a Welshman and a Scottish lady having a conversation in two areas they don't even live in. <laughs> they don't even come from. Yeah, so, so you got. Which is the most fun. Um, I'm going to apologise in advance. The more passionate I get about a subject, the more my, my Aberdonian accent comes Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's very true. I'll so, promise not to do any impressions of Scottish people because my favourite my favourite impression is doing Scottish people, and I promise I won't do any. Oh, don't! I mean, do you know what? Um, my other half's from um, from Suffolk, so he's one of the most posh English people you could ever meet. Oh. And um, I speak the Mickey out of him quite a lot about how he said bananas. And he goes <laughs> bananas. Which I which I find hysterical, um, and so does my mother. So every time the two of us are together and we've had a couple of glasses of wine, my poor partner ends up getting bananas. Shouted him. But the other day he turned around and went, "Well, it's better than saying bananas," and he did the most accurate Scottish accent, just oh, wow. shouting the word bananas at me. It was magic. It was so that's, funny. <laughs> that's the thing, though, with with like, because I, I I got a few really good friends of mine which are Scottish, and 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 you spend a day with them, you really do pick up the nuances of it because it's a beautiful accent. I, I I I love the Welsh accent, and I love obviously because I'm Welsh. I love the Irish accent, and I love the Scot. I think I love our Celtic accents because they're beautiful, aren't they? Yeah, they, just... they are. They just, they just, it's just. I think it's fun how they work. I get. I can start talking for hours on how accents work, and it's all about how your mouth moves yes. and all that sort. Of stuff. That's right. Let's just not get me started on that. Otherwise, we're going to waste <laughs> our time. I can get, and as well as the, the worst Welsh accents as well. I can tell you where they are in Wales, and, and the best ones, and the not so good ones. <laughs> And you can tell me about it, like in Scotland as well, is very similar, and Ireland is very similar as well, a different accent. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The thing is so interesting that we still have, even though we're all moving around the country now and we're we're the most mobile generation ever, and we still have these beautiful regional accents, Manchester dialect, Liverpool, Mm -hmm. London, Mm South West as well. I find it so funny. Mm -hmm. God, we digressed instantly. We are going to be a nightmare in this podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this could be fun. Sorry for anyone who likes structure. That's not going to happen today. No, no, it's not. Our first ever conversation was you giving me a job to look at, and I think we spent about an hour and a half on the phone. I think first conversation we ever had, probably. So probably, yeah. yeah. And we, we've been like connected on LinkedIn for ages, and I've always appreciated the content that you put out. I always, I mean, I've always enjoyed your views and your approach to recruitment. It's just a sensible way to do things. So for me, I was like, oh my god, I get to chat to like one of my LinkedIn heroes. So this was, it was a really good oh, thing for me. That's really good. <laughs> And I got no, it's yeah, it, it, it's mutual as well because you've do you know what? I, I, obviously, you're going to tell a little bit about yourself, Kat, and what you do and who you are. But when you come across another recruiter that you 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 have a mutual respect and you've never spoken to because you are you, you who would you put out there is you, which is I find fascinating that uh, people are doing that. <laughs> because um, it's easier to yeah, I think it's a lot of bravery doesn't it and and I know that there's been other podcasts that you've kind of touched on things and it it really does start with with being completely self-aware aware of your foibles and your strengths and being brave enough to go this is this is who I am as a person this is the brand um that I am because we are all we you know as soon as we go on social media as soon as we as recruiters and as salespeople in general start selling something we're not just selling the business we're selling ourselves you have to, for it to be authentic conversation you have to be okay with yourself i, I, I agree 100 i took some 
I read a blog by Greg Savage about five, six years ago, and he, he did love Greg. He's, 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 do you know what? Even though he's not around as much as I used to see him on LinkedIn and on social media, but I still get his emails. I still get his. He still yeah. his he Still does his sixty-second videos. Um, he comes across brilliant. Yep. There was one thing he said six or seven years ago in a blog that was in the future of recruitment. It's not going to be the brand of the company that's important. It's going to be you as a personal brand very similar mm -hmm. to football players so you, you know you you may be you may be um gareth bale playing for who does he play for now because i don't follow football again you're asking you're asking the wrong football club i don't have a scooby but you, you <laughs> just so you know you may be gordon strachan <laughs> for scotland <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> you know who Gordon Strachan is, but you don't. You know, you, but you, you know, Aye. the brand is gone. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm really football, by the way. Aye. I don't follow football. I follow the egg-shaped game called rugby, which is uh, where Scotland are not doing so good. I follow enough sports <laughs> to make conversation about it. Yeah. Um and my biggest skill in the world is being able to fill silence whilst I Google things. We're doing some recruitment over in the US at the moment, and I'm um, talking about baseball. I never didn't know a thing about baseball, but I can tell you a lot more now about the Yankees versus the Red Sox and, you know, socks for life and all that sort of good stuff. Um, I, I own a Yankees want, hat. That's as far as I get. <laughs> before, we, before we just keep talking, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, Kat. What do you do? Who, you, who, who are you? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm Kat Reed. I'm the internal recruiter for SRG, um, which means that I have one of the hardest jobs in the world, according to Mitch Sullivan. Um, I recruit people into a recruitment business. Um, that is everything from our administrative staff all the way up to um, our, our kind of senior level hires. So it's quite a lot to, to get involved with. I think the bread and butter of my job is looking at what SRG is looking for and trying to find the yeah. person to fit our brand um, prior to finding my my home here which I really have um, found an amazing place to be it's done a lot for me um, over the last um, 14 months or so um, prior to that I, I contracted um, I started my career in the oil and gas market um, when the, the crash happened which I, I saw coming um, I basically wrote a list of places in the UK where I had friends and the housing market was good yeah. and I threw a dart at it and it landed on Manchester so I moved down here didn't want to be labeled a one-trick pony so I went and experimented with a number of different types of recruitment um, on, on kind of contract basis and um, that's that's kind of my story um, yeah, really sounds a bit well, lame Start a bit lame <laughs> yeah but i think i think that's an important actually note there for people is recruitment has so many different flavors in recruitment and there's so many different jobs although everyone hears about the 360 role i think more so than any because it's the most popular role within recruitment but then you've got different sectors you've got the different type of companies different setups different and then there's different mm -hmm. roles within recruitment so you have to find yourself what what kind of got you to that that internal what what clicked in your head and said actually internal for a recruitment business is probably where I, I belong. What was there a moment or was it grown into that? Um yeah, there were there were a couple of moments. So when I started my career, I was working for Hudson. Um, it's a great organisation. Cannot say a bad thing about it. It's very well known in the professional services market, particularly yeah. um in the US. They give me some really phenomenal training, but the Aberdeen market when I was there was really tough the oil and gas was in its heyday mm. there was a lot of people who were you know a lot of people all vying for the same jobs um yeah. so it made sales and business development quite challenging when you were getting jobs on you were one of five suppliers which is never a great you know dynamic to find yourself within um and I was doing you know 12 13 hour days at the age of 22 and I just had this moment one day where something in my brain just went I'm doing this because I don't have the time to solve the problems of the clients that I have yeah. because I'm spending so much but trying to get more clients on and I thought really long and hard about what I loved about recruitment because I do love recruitment I'm one of the only freaks out there that would probably say this but I picked this <laughs> I actively pursued it yeah. um, when I left university um, because it's solving puzzles with people and that, that's two things that I'm a really big big fan of um, and I thought about it and I was like hang on a minute what I'm good at doing is getting right under the skin of a client building some great relationships 
with that client and having them phone me and go, I need this, what can I do? And I'm like, don't worry, we'll get this sorted. And that, that's what I'm good at doing. Um, so that's what really led me in-house. So I left Hudson to go and take on a short-term contract with Sparrows Group, who are my favorite clients. It was back when Carol Collins was a talent acquisition leader there. Yeah. Um, once I'd done that um, stint, there was three months I went and joined Wood Group. It's now just Wood, um, but it was Wood Group at the time. Um, and I worked in a really big talent acquisition function. It was about 90 people globally. Um, yeah. And I worked in their future growth um, division, which was just fascinating because it was looking at when we were going into new countries, how we build better resourcing strategies, how we talent pooled, what were the labour laws we'd have to think of and start forecasting in, would we have to start looking, especially in African yeah. nations, there's often an expatriate level that must be achieved and then for that you can live a short amount of time. So we worked hand in hand with skills and business development to actually figure out when the business was tendering for projects, number one, can we do it? Number two, what's the cost going to be? Number three, how long is it going to take to make sure that when we were tendering for business, it was commercially viable? Yeah. Um, and it was fascinating. That was the absolute art of resourcing because there is an art to, to good resourcing, a good talent acquisition. 100%. Um, 100% agree with you. Even external, even in the external world, if you do it right, you build 100%. You build it right, then yeah, you'll always find good people, but it's the building of it, and I think that's equally as important as business development in recruitment as well. So, it's, yeah, it's uh, for the external matters anyway, for the internal matters, yeah, it's, it's knowing your market, it's knowing your market, yeah, yeah, and also having very good communication with the stakeholders as well. I think that's important for you mm -hmm. as well, internal, mm -hmm. which, which is, yeah, it, it is, yeah, for me, it's variable clients. For you, it's five or six people you have to get on with, <laughs> which is really important. And it's sometimes quite challenging, um, particularly because I think we're we're all conditioned to to be very obliging, because um, you know, especially in a support services function, we're there to, to fulfil a service. But sometimes what they're looking for isn't realistic, and you have to have quite challenging conversations, quite strong headbutts, um, and there's not there's some businesses where actually that function is not always able to happen and um, without somebody get you know somebody taking it personally yeah. um, I'm very lucky here that that's not the case we've got a really very open culture um, from bottom up people give feedback and it's it's a great place it took me a long time to get used to that by the way because of how different it was elsewhere um, but it was a, a great moment to come into that and see that as a culture um, and to actually be able to build the relationships on an equal footing rather than being in a servile position yeah because some some internal people are in that position though aren't they they're not seen as as an equal across the business they're seen as right go and sort this problem out and they it's more of an administration then isn't it dealing with <laughs> it's it's where everyone can let the buck sit yeah. um project plan because we're under resourced it's obviously not it's obviously not my fault that i haven't given the recruiter any time or any briefing or been able to manage my diary for interviews it's clearly ta being a bit rubbish so i really i really feel for people who are in businesses where um the business allows that function to be treated like that yeah um it's, it's not not a nice place to be in no i've seen it i heard it and it's yeah i, I feel for people that are in those positions and there's, there's a few companies mm -hmm. that I'm aware of. Not in the recruitment game. Well, not yeah, actually in the recruitment game, some of them actually have come across. I think, uh, do you know what, there's good, and, there's good and bad for everywhere. And I think as well, we're not factoring in that there are some people who actually would suit the recruitment process management side of things really, really well. Yeah. And if somebody's in an organisation that suits them and they suit the organisation style, so long as the process is working, there's nothing wrong with it. It's when there is something that is broken in the process and nobody takes accountability. One of my favourite words at the moment is accountability because yeah. I think it goes into so many different directions. Um, that you know, But it's when a process is broken and nobody takes accountability for fixing it because they don't really want to because it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient or they don't have the necessary brain power to fix it. They don't even know what they're doing, <laughs> is basically what I'm saying. But, Do you know what? I think so. I think that's a bit unfair. I, 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 part of me wants to agree, but the other part of me goes, I think that's really unfair. Um, I think most people panic um, around things that need to be fixed and they think it's a lot bigger than it actually is. Um, and sometimes you can't see the wood from the trees and you need somebody to kind of sit and break it down, but you need to let them. 
and you need to manage your own ego and say I can't fix this problem and need to get I need to get support from somewhere else and that's not easy yeah I accept that correction <laughs> that's a really good point <laughs> <laughs> I was wrong I, that's just me and my you went wrong but yeah. well, it's perspective, isn't it? And I think, you know, opinions are, are these prisms where different perspectives can come and filter through. And I think it's just very useful to see everything yeah. in the same way. And it's it's easy to go, people just don't know what they're doing. But I, in reality, a lot of times it's that ego thing. It is. It is. Way. And also I find, so, this is just, again, another opinion. And I've seen people a lot, especially in recruitment, hit a, hit a brick wall with something. And instead of trying to climb over it or even do the simple thing, walk around it, um, they they stop, they quit, they walk away. And and that's what angers me the most. People are, are scared of the challenge and they're scared of, of mm. right, who shall I speak to to solve this problem? Instead, they go, oh, God, I can't solve this problem. I'm going to quit. I'm going to walk away from it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think again that's very true. But the, and again, there's definitely some places where, a lot of the time, I think people aren't encouraged to think to do things differently. It's this is how we've always done it. If it's not working, you're not good enough. Yeah. Rather than we're not empowering you to use that problem solving and to use an inner network or an ability to kind of have and look at a different way. Um, there's some very linear training that goes on and we see it quite a lot um you know we see it a lot with poor cv marketing because cv marketing done correctly is incredible um we see it a lot with poor business development calls where people phone you and they say i can solve your business's problem and you're like great okay tell me what my problem is before i invest your time and they go training that's poor training um and poor, poor infrastructure support because um, when you're in, you're empowered to kind of think and do things differently. I mean, I've I've been having a bit of a bit of a nightmare with my my Luton head office at the moment. We've got six administrative support vacancies going on there, a yeah. mix of kind of team growth and and unfortunately a couple of people leaving us. It is normal to have that happening, um, but the usual methods for finding them just weren't for happening. You know, job boards weren't for happening, adverts weren't for happening. I've gone to a couple of external suppliers for some help, yeah. and again we weren't seeing what the volume the sheer volume you need to fill those positions is quite frightening um so i sat and sulked on it for about a day um because <laughs> i do a sulk i'm right <laughs> yeah i'm okay with admitting it my manager michelle god love her she has got the patience an absolute saint and she's great with letting me have my sulk and then coming to the solution and i thought hang on a minute everyone's graduating in the Luton market at the moment why don't I just use LinkedIn because I don't have a database. I can't send out a mailer to candidates on a database. I don't really have one. But I was like, hang on a minute, LinkedIn's a database. Why don't I just try something a bit different and try a traditional method applied completely differently? And it worked. Um, you know, we're looking by the end of this week, I'll have those positions filled, which is great. Boom. That's brilliant. That's actually brilliant. <laughs> yes, keep it on the theme of that then with, with regards to recruitment, finding people and finding staff for your business. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I've just dipped my toe into the rec to rec market and, <laughs> and I, you know, so far what I've done is try to keep it as close to what I believe in. So, you know, when you came to me and said, can you have a little look at this? I was like, damn right. I know you, I know your business. I kind of get it and I'm happy with that. Um, but it's, I still found it difficult to find good people. Is, is that a general consensus mm. across the market? Are you, do you find it difficult to find good people or is, or is, is this something someone like myself is doing wrong no good's a really subjective filter um there's a lot of recruiters out there and um, finding for we class is good it's not an easy it's not an easy find um we you know we do have quite high standards for, for quite a small business um you know although we're owned by impelum we're quite a small business we do have quite high standards for what we look for you know we still have it's not a lie when i say that we still have a couple of people who are in you know the half a million a year billers um club there are more people in our business who bill over 150,000 in a year than than under than under it which is that's good you know amazing that we are it's great um it's really fantastic. So finding people to stand up to that caliber is not always easy. Um, what I do find a lot of the time um, is 
unfortunately a lack of thought and foresight by people who are looking to move for treatment businesses about how they should be marketing themselves to an employer and how they should be having constructive business conversations with a prospective employer um you know you get a lot of people who when they're writing their cvs they don't put on their billings figures i have had a rant about this before it's like 101 have a rant rant now cat rant now (laughs) here we go Uh, it's like 101 though guys i mean like we get what a recruitment consultant does i literally do not need to see a job description copy and paste it onto there especially even people who are looking to transition out talk about the successes you've had talk about what you do and how good you are at doing it a lot of people just put on this is my job description but nobody talks about how good they are at doing it nobody talks about kind of what skills they bring to the table um i think people are frightened by billings maybe there's so. a frightening lack of awareness as well on commercials have you not found that yourself yeah 100 and when you have that conversation you know what you're building at the moment there's that moment where they they literally clamp you can hear it it's ver- it's almost audible the, the the noise that they make um and and then you, you kind of you, you kind of go right there's something not right here. Straight away, that gut feeling you get, there's something not right here when you're saying to me nothing, first of all. Then you say about, which the word mm-hmm. about doesn't mean a goal in my opinion. <laughs> it's like if you're confident in what you do, you'd say, oh, 200,000. Or, you know, you would say, you yeah. would, oh, about, uh, about 150 this year or 120 this year. So you're not that is basically you're doing mm-hmm whatever that is and, and okay that's my yeah you're, you're somewhere i mean which is but have an act know what you do and how well you do it and yes. um, i have i've had conversations recently with a number of people who run contractors desk because you know a good contract consultant is like hen's teeth oh yeah. if you're a contract consultant, you know you you are amazing at what you do i cannot do contract recruitment um so i have every respect for somebody who can manage the sheer pace that you need to do that but if you don't know how you're making your money that's a frightening thing if you've got this information hidden to you by a manager and how are you having constructive performance reviews if you don't know what how well you're doing against your set targets everyone should be able to have that information if you're not having that information by the way speak to your manager and you are listening speak to your manager about understanding your commercials because even if you're not planning on moving on, for you to put towards a business case about progressing in an organization, you have to know how you're doing. Yeah. You have to have that knowledge. You have to have that information. You have to build that case for your for your next steps. Don't don't be a passenger in your own journey. You know, be in that driver's seat. And especially when you say in that contract world. When I used to do contractors, I knew to the penny what I was doing that week. To the penny, you know what I mean? I had a, a real good understanding of the financials of the desk and the financials of where the desk was mm-hmm. going and projections. Mm-hmm. And then I have had those conversations with people and they don't know how many timesheets are going through this week or they don't know how many went through last week. Oh, an administrator did that. Why are you not involved with that? Why are you disconnected from that? Why are you not sense checking it? I mean, yeah. people are human beings. Yeah. Always sense check it. always have somebody look at like always look at it yourself otherwise because that that could be the difference i mean imagine you've got a tiered bonus structure and you you end up missing it by 200 pounds and you're like gosh that's unfortunate what if that 200 quid was an administrative error yeah or someone didn't phone the contractor for their timesheet and it hasn't come through yet (laughs) exactly check make sure everything's okay and contractors you know they they may not be happy, they may choose to leave. That's your revenue stream. Protect your revenue. Keep in touch with your contractors. Make sure they're all right. Even if it's just a text saying, Hi mate, how you doing? You find the timesheets all right. Nice and nice and easy. Doesn't have to be um doesn't have to be anything too challenging um to do. And I know that it's difficult when it's on mass, but you can I think there's programs that you can do to send out mass communications like that that will take away some of that so i know we hate automation and recruitment it's evil but if you're wanting to do a good job by 50 contractors useful step to make sense check everything's okay because all it takes is three of them contacting you saying i'm having issues and you know where your headaches are yeah. and you know what you need to unlock to make sure your revenue's safe yeah i mean i think any good crm will that's linked to the system properly and especially if you've got an administrator, you'll know who hasn't got the timesheet. So you can just chuck through an email or a text mm-hmm. message off the back mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. 
other than knowing their billings, what, what other kind of constructive um, conversations are, are, are you discovering recruiters are not having in at the moment then? Well, what's... Um, Work-life balance is a huge thing for people. But when you ask somebody, what, what when they say, tell me your flexible working policy, and you say, what do you need? Yeah. They get really frightened by it. And I think it. people think flexible working, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or people think flexible working means that on a on a Wednesday they can they could have had a pretty heavy night in the pub watching the football and on the Thursday they're like mm, can't be bothered coming in and have a Malay and I'm going to work from home today. Um, that's not. I mean, it's nice to happen and it's lovely to be able to have that freedom, but that's not a working flexible working policy for anybody. No. No. Um, tell us what you, what freedoms you need and what responsibilities that you need. Um, think about what what you, your family and your your situation needs and have that conversation. Yeah. Um, People have a, people talk about further development and what they want to see, and you talk to them about where they want their career to go, and they don't know they want to be led and sold. Um, and I think what I find really challenging because, like I said earlier, accountability is my big thing. I would find it very easy to sell somebody a dream to get them through this door. Easy, but it would break my heart. Yeah, it would break my heart for them to be unhappy. I've been. It so does. Confused. It physically hurts. I honestly I've been I've sat in front of managers and said to me everything I wanted to hear and I've fallen for it about three times in my entire yeah. career and yep the, the regret comes in you just you only have to look at my LinkedIn profile to see where the regret come in <laughs> in that sense and my, I my two sales contracts were were some of the most punishing things that I put myself through emotionally yes um and you know what I'm really glad I did them huge life experiences it was interesting it showed a very different world that I'd never recruited and it was direct sales so I'd never recruited in that space before it was a very different world mm-hmm. um but I very quickly learned that world wasn't for me um and I thought after the first one I thought I'd learn how to ask better questions no no to the second one for me go okay still not very good at this I've still got some more learning today um but I can apply that but I think people don't take that accountability for themselves when they're job seeking and that's that that goes beyond just recruitment as well um i know that what i do now is recruiting other recruiters i find it's a very common theme throughout my career yes. that people will believe what you are sold what you sell to them um and then blame everything but their own accountability in the situation for why it went wrong and I've been there, I've done it, we've all been there, we've all done it. It's not nice admitting yeah. that there's more you could have done. But I think the sooner you start allowing yourself to make mistakes and be okay with those mistakes and learn from them, the better. This is it. And and I guess the first time I came out of a role that I was falsely sold to, it was shame on them for doing that, selling it to me. And then the next time it happened, it's shame on me for letting that happen and, and how I needed to really work it out. You know, why, why am I falling for this? What is it I really want? What is it I truly want to get from, from life? And mm-hmm. if you come out of a job and your first instance is to blame everyone but yourself, you, you are, mm-hmm. you, you've got a long road to go down. You need to start understanding that. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think as well that it can go the other way, though. I mean, I, when I left um, one of my sales con- direct sales contracts, I honestly felt like I was terrible. It was all my fault. Um, there was something wrong with me. Yeah. I took it very, very personally. I'm quite want to do that. I am a bit sensitive. Like I'm working on getting over it. But I mean, I mean I've still got. Everyone's got a long way to go still in their lives. One of my things that I'm still learning, uh, as I, as I kind of continue in my career, is I need to stop taking things so personally. But there are people out there who are like me, and I think if they're listening and they're in that situation there's only it's not you as a person it's you as, as a decision maker yes you know your things that are happening aren't happening because you're a bad person they're happening because you need to just take a step and be calm yeah. and and push through your fear not know you should do you should climb Everest you should swim with sharks you should pick up that phone and make that thousand sale call you should not be afraid to let yourself matter I get that I get that yeah that makes sense that makes sense. I, th- I think a lot of people tend to think that everything, uh, you say you take things personal. The people that I've come across in my life, I've done it myself. I've done that. Thinks that decision making by a company is a personal thing. And really, it's mm-hmm. them trying to move their business forward. And you just happen to yep. be 
that hurdle they need to get across. Whatever way they're going to do it, uh, help you, support you, don't help you, don't support you, get rid of you, promote you, whatever that is, um, they have to make that decision on you, and it's not personal. It's I hate but that. you should be able to make that decision back. Is that business going in the direction you don't want it to Correct. go in? Correct. But do you know what? That's okay. That's all right. That is yeah. okay. It's not the end and of the I world if it's a, if you have no. to walk away. It's not the end of the world. No. Yeah, we we spend too so long as you're walking away into something sensible and safe. I think it's especially because especially my generation, right? Um, I'm I'm going to be 29 this year, so I am I am one of the millennials. Um, you know, I, I'll pause for pause for everyone to go oh right now um but don't worry i managed to get a mortgage and eat avocado toast and i have an arts degree and i've still done okay so i'm not i'm not the millennials that jamie hill hates that's for sure I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm 40 so i'm an elder millennial uh, <laughs> hey so we embedded the snapchat <laughs> yeah come kids come around the snapchat look at the snapchat Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Game Boy and, and Game oh, I love the Game Boy man. Yeah, yeah but um, I I certainly find so even even the, the the gap between us. I find people in in my generational um side of, of the millennials, so the people who are still twenties and people who are now, and um, the generation after me, we live paycheck to paycheck. So yeah. it's so easy to become very frightened and very miserable and very upset and end up in these really toxic situations because at the end of the day, you have to get your bills paid. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but I, I think that, yeah, it's not, it's not, it is, but I, I think it'd be so much better if we taught people that to breathe and to think about how you get out and to plan your exit. Yes. And give yourself that time um, to do that. Um, not all, it's not a dream world. You know, we don't live in in um, Oleg, Liz, Brigitte's like world where everything's perfect, rosy, and awesome, and you're going to get everything you want to go for I think you have to be quite realistic about what what you'd like to do um and you need to plan what you want to do next what are the important key characteristics of a business um that you want of a manager that you want of yes. a workplace of a team all of those things are so important yeah. um then you need to look at the sectors that you want to work in and the environments that you want to be in um you could do with kind of planning the sorts of businesses you want to work with so if you're working with recruiters you could say i've done my homework this is the sort of thing that i want to do these are the sort of businesses i'm interested in this is this is the skill level that's right for me because again changing careers can be can be really challenging manage your expectations on changing it when you get to a certain level you may have to start again or, or do things a bit differently you know but ultimately i'm saying you can take a bit more steer in these um conversations yeah um yeah. And plan your interviews around your life, you know. I was just okay say, to hours. I was just gonna add to that. and it's more of getting your opinion on this. For for especially for recruiters, would you say the best time to start engaging in those type of conversations with, with recruiters like yourself, um, internal recruiters like yourself, isn't when you're you're looking for a job or when shit is hitting the fan in the company you're in and you've had enough, is more when you're doing well. So you can then talk from a different authority. Uh, in within what you want would you say yeah i mean i'd say you should be doing like little career mot's um quite frequently um and if your business is giving you most of what you want and it's making and you go into work and you still see a future there you could because again like let's, let's talk facts most of us are going to be working now until we're in our late 60s yeah. right if we're lucky and i mean if we're super duper lucky we can retire at parents age which would be awesome but that's not likely to happen so if you can still see yourself doing a 10 like a 10 year stint there because i don't think doing a lifetime stint anywhere is healthy for anybody but if you can see yourself doing a 10 year stint in that company maybe maybe don't have that chat if you can't see yourself doing 10 years have the conversation explore who's out there so that way as and when things start switching, you can have a constructive conversation with a business that you that you that you know of, that you're aware of, yeah. and you know who you're not going to waste your time with. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I say this to people actually every year. 
you should at least have two or three conversations with another company just to see what's going mm-hmm. on out there. Go meet with it, you know, have get a connection because the power behind that, when you are looking for a job, you've already made that connection. They're already aware of who you are and then you can move mm-hmm. forward and, and, and either take a job with them or not, or maybe get them as a coach to help you with what you want to do in your career and, and who else is out there. Yeah. Make, make some contacts, develop your network um it's really really important because there's going to be candidates out there that you just can't help but for you to keep up a good reputation in the market in the world of recruiters if you make recommendations for somebody who can help even if you can't that person's going to think about you really seriously that person's going to talk to somebody they're going to rec- it's going to come back to you and it's going to it will come back to you and um, it's not possible to always do that i get it um we're human beings but yeah. wherever you can if you build that network great yeah definitely but then if you're going to be selfish and you're just going to and you you're only going to reach out to people when you need a job when you need something i think that you you really do struggle then to get to get to that next level or to find the right job i think then any job is is good for you Mm -hmm. at that moment exactly any job any job will do and it's how you can go from a business that wants you working seven till seven to business like okay we'll do flexi time do eight till eight yeah. and you're still not getting you're still not getting away from anything you're still not gaining anything you're yeah. going into a business where you know you're, you're leaving one organization because you're not getting the development that you want and you go into a business that promises you loads of development but only if you build another 50 grand a year yeah that's how, it. how reasonable is that you know look at look at what you want and as well there are business i mean people will want different things from different businesses there are going to be people out there on the market who would not enjoy what frg has to offer and that's that's okay that's allowed i mean you can have a conversation with the business and go do you know what it's not for me given that feedback quite helpful for us to know um if things aren't right um or what's not not working for you it because then like i said we can we know our networks we can say hang on a minute if you like this i know someone who does this have you spoken to this guy or this gal you know they they share people will share if you have those conversations and you're constructive then you'll get a lot of constructive um, things back from people I find yeah definitely do you find um, that you're lining people up for jobs in two or three years time do you find you're having those conversations um, I, I've had a few <laughs> I could tell you some stories but do, um, do you find you, you, you that's a really interesting conversation um, I in terms of people who wouldn't join us now but might join us in two or three years probably not um, the life cycle of a lot of the recruiters I that I have to speak to right now um, might not might not make it that far. I'd love to say that. I think there's a couple that could be like that. I wouldn't want to hang my hat on anything and say yeah for definite. It's something I would love to get to do, but the recruitment market is so agile that I can't pipeline talent the way that I used to, which is most yeah. frustrating. I find um, I find in the engineering world I can. And I have two, three year conversations with people, not literally that long, by the way, but you speak to them for two, three years and then a job comes up and they're, they're right for it and you kind of slot them in. Um, but like you say, with, yeah. with recruiters, I, I, I think that's a crying shame because I think as recruiters, if we did that, then we know where our careers go. And I think we would be a lot more focused in what we want to do and want to achieve mm-hmm. in our careers. Um, but some mm-hmm. people in recruitment are just passengers in recruitment. And I see it on social media as well. Yeah. They don't comment, they don't like, but they're there. You know they're there because they just sent you a message saying, I listen mm-hmm. to your podcast or I listen to your radio, a video. Or, it, it's like, but how come you didn't like it? How come you didn't comment? Why are you, why are you not speaking to me? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I think, and you're right, but it, it goes and it goes back and it's going to be that huge. It's the big A word, it's accountability. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and I think it is, it is a crying shame. And I, I think certainly there's careers for people in recruitment that people that people don't even think of um you know there's so many signs to recruitment we talk about 360 an awful lot and that's not the only way to get development you know it's not just either external or internal or rpo there's no that those boxes don't exist anymore um in different businesses there are so many different career paths that you can start taking and working your way down and working your way through um that I, th- I just don't think people explore enough. You know, there's account management opportunities, there's delivery only, um, there's there's executive search, which is a completely different ballgame. And, and great exec search firms can offer people some incredible opportunities. 
It's a really incredible opportunity. And the executive search firms I've worked for in the past, um, it, business development is the smallest part of the role, believe it or not. That, yeah. that bit is very easy to do in, in, in those companies because they already have the established relationships, the, the, the ones which have longevity in the marketplace. And um, most roles come to you, which is, it, it, it turns into just literally trying to find these people in the marketplace, proper, real headhunters. Yeah. Um, yeah, like being being the candidate whisperer is a, a huge thing. Um, so one of my colleagues here, Hannah, um, who is probably going to end up listening to this, so shout out to Han. Um, <laughs> she is incredible. Uh, she is honestly, um, I don't know what she does. I think she goes home at night sometimes and like does magic spells to make these people come up out of the ground. I've never seen a recruiter work like Hannah does. Are you saying that Hannah's phenomenal? A witch? Is that what you're saying? That you're you're friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't like the word witch. Oh, you, you know, we magical okay. practitioner. Magical. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Is that her new title now? Make sure the boss has changed that. <laughs> um, you know, we we do we do jokingly call her the candidate whisperer um, quite a bit. <laughs> Uh, she is phenomenal at it but but on to Hannah a bit more and Hannah's had a really phenomenal career started off with NES went to um, Wax Selection which is an exec search firm did the RPO side with Cornferry and specializing you know within the sciences field because that that Hannah's biochemist before she went into recruitment she was with GSK and through Cornferry which was amazing and then I managed to get her here to do what she loved doing because Hannah's career development she wanted to manage people you know long term could she get into something that's more client facing yes but Hannah, Hannah loves the art of research and executive search and market yeah. mapping and delivering rare skill set yeah. um, and that's what she does phenomenally but if we didn't have that if I didn't reach out to her with that opportunity she wouldn't have joined SRG wow it's just wow. that simple yeah yeah you know, she had the right opportunity put in front of her um, and she wasn't on the market she wasn't looking um, she was quite quite comfortable quite settled but it, it was a, the one conversation she, she did that career MOT and she was thinking okay I'll have a chat this is actually up my street and it worked and she's here and she's doing she's doing amazingly she really is and she's got a team of two now beneath her that she is fantastic for um, in terms of being their manager and they're great for her because they, they push her every day outside of her comfort zone into yeah. being a better person a better manager she's got great mentors within the business you know, it's it's amazing because um, she's and but she had that conversation on a speculative basis, and she sat and thought about what she wanted. And she went, okay, I'll come and see what this is like. Yeah. And all the way through, she came really prepared to all the conversations I had with her. Um, you know, the first conversation I had with her, I said, I'm not going to ask you anything you ask me. And boy, did she go for it. She asked everything yeah. that you could think of. Um, so that way, by the end of it, she was ready. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's amazing. We don't. We don't ask those questions. And that's a shame. That comes back to that constructive conversation that you've got to have with the future. Yeah. And, and, and it swings both ways. Yes, you want to know about your, the facts and figures. What can you bring to my business? Well, you know, I'm going to pay you a large sum of money to, to make me money. How are you going to do that? Um, but then I'm going to come here and park my butt in your company for 10 hours a day. I want to know how you're going to, how you're going to keep me. Exactly. <laughs> So, exactly and that's part, so that's part of the, the message that's going out right now about the employer has to be right for the candidate I completely agree that uh, with that but I don't feel that it's necessarily 100% the employer's duty to establish that I think the candidate has to lead that agenda and I don't care what job you're doing I don't care if you're a receptionist I don't care if you're a CFO to find out if a business is right for you you are the only one who can lead that conversation you are the only one who can set that agenda yeah. Um, and I think by setting that agenda, you will find your next job transition all the more pleasant. I think you're right. I think you're right. And also you'll be able to, to and I think you'll have longevity in the next job because you will then suss out very quickly if this person sat across the table is, is talking shit or not, basically. And, and <laughs> you know, it's like you'll ask those awkward questions. And if a manager can can verbalize what the, the business plan is what your job's going to look like how they're going to support you and, and, and physically show you if they have to the programs and the plans that they have for you, and you you're going to be or even show examples of that if you can show you can yeah. what's going on then brilliant go for um, that 
and sense check that with every person you speak to in that process. Do not take one answer for one person as lip service. Make sure that message is resoundingly clear. And part of that is making sure you're not repeating yourself um, and making sure that you ask the question in a different way. Um, I get it, nobody teaches people ever how to find a job. Um, it's just assumed that we will. I've been. This is what my videos have been all about: is trying to teach people to find a job. Because I think the lost art of finding a job has been made so easy by the job boards. Um, you can now just mm-hmm. swipe left and and you're applying for a job. Like like you go. Yeah, on. it's Tinder for jobs. Yeah, Tinder yeah. for jobs. <laughs> and 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 one click wonders, and you know, it it's made job hunting easy, but it hasn't made job application right and it has a main job mm-hmm. interviewing well not interviewing more so being selected right so you so people applying for hundreds yeah. of jobs and getting one response mm-hmm. and then they're blaming everyone in the mm-hmm. process is the problem when you look at it mm-hmm. you just swiped left don't blame anyone other than yourself you swipe left for that job yeah no, absolutely. And I, again, and I get the part of that is coming from that fear place of the, oh my God, I must make sure my bills are paid. But I don't think it ever leads you to that longevity of happiness. Yes, it, it you know, you'll find your job, but you're not taking control of your career. And I think they're two very distinct things um, that different. people often get confused yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you need to lead your constructive conversations. Um and then read things through. I think it becomes so easy as well for people to apply for things without reading oh, um, yeah. what the rule is. The amount of people that I speak to who can't tell me what SRG do, and I'm like, okay, guys, uh, SRG, Science Recruitment Group, kind of in the name here, um, should be able to identify that one. Um, it is genuinely astounding. doing so much activity being in that panic state um which is just not not what anyone wants to be in do you find it very odd that um i'm slowly changing the subject here by the way just to let you know Uh, do you find it odd that we're in a um a marketplace recruitment um and recruiters that are supposed to sell jobs to people supposed to business develop supposed to be able to get in mm-hmm. into companies and have meetings and sell that what they can do are not very mm-hmm. good at selling themselves so they're not taught to is the the really simple thing um and there's a, a big kind of disassociation um with yourself as a prospective candidate for a business versus yourself as a person. Yeah. Um, and I think what, what again, it, it goes back to the statement, nobody teaches you how to get a job, especially not as a recruiter. Um, most people fall into it out of like luck um, or yes. sometimes misfortune, depending on where you've ended up. But this most people true. fluke into things kind <laughs> yeah. of arse backwards and go, okay, here I am, this is, this is what I do now. And you're thrown into the, such, a, it's a really intensive lifestyle. Um, it's very busy, it's very pacey. There's, so many different plates spinning at any one point um so when somebody starts then trying to balance a job hunt it and oftentimes people are, are searching for jobs because they're not in a very good mental place with themselves they're not very happy um, and happiness is a huge factor um so if you don't feel very happy or very good in your workplace you're probably not going to be able to sell yourself as a worker very well um and that's a and that's a crying shame yeah, um, you know, a very disadvantaged position then when you're trying to say yeah, and hey, all, all these things but I'm really unable to tell yeah. how good yeah yeah <laughs> 100% and they're putting themselves into this servile position and it's I never understand why people allow themselves to be put into servile positions anymore that is after the experience I've had um, and now having some time to kind of sit grow and reflect upon it um, they don't let themselves matter they don't believe in themselves anymore um, and, you know, I'm going to have to quote RuPaul. I can't believe I get to do this on a professional platform. But if you can't love yourself, how in the hell is, you know, any, how are you going to love anyone else? And how are you going to get anyone else to love you? It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You need to believe in yourself and make yourself matter. And you need to give yourself an agenda to pursue to actually do that. Otherwise, you are going to make the same mistakes over and over again. And you're not going to learn from them. And you can't then blame the recruiter that got you in that job or the company you worked for. 
you know, that, oh, they didn't develop me. Did you ask? Did you find out? Can they develop you? Are they capable of doing yeah. it? If they're not, then walk away. That's yeah. not my fault. That's their fault. Yeah, ex exactly. But I think, it's, I, mean, I think it's very different. They're very different conversations that we have to have with yeah. people who are genuinely in negative work environments and they're trying their best. That's a very different conversation. And when I come across those candidates, I kind of I, I switch into this really maternal, kind of almost mumsy-ish mode um, that people go, go bananas on. And they're just like, why do you spend so much time telling people how awesome they are and sending them Amy Polar gifts? And I'm like, because they kind of need it. They need somebody to be their advocate and to have their back um yeah. and i get some really lovely feedback from that which is great um and there have been people who've kind of come into um not just srg but other businesses that i've worked in where i've been their champion and i've built them up and i've taught them how to have a constructive conversation and they're happy and that's yeah. a really lovely feeling to be able to do that as a person See, I, I've had conversations on LinkedIn, especially on LinkedIn, and a few in real life, where people have said to me, oh, but you need to sell me the opportunity, not me sell myself to you. And I'm thinking, no, there's, you've still got to sell yourself. You've still got to come, for, come to the plate and give people what you are and who you are and why. Yes, it's a two-way two street. I mean, for somebody to set an effective agenda um, and to be able to talk constructively about all the things they want, they have to first be able to talk from a position of authority about what they can bring into the to the table. I mean, businesses are here to make money. There needs to be a real sense of um, equal partnerships going into job interviews. So nobody can be in a servile position. The business can't be in a servile position. The applicant can't be in a servile position. It has to be on an even footing. So that means that not only do both sides need to have their agenda, both sides need to talk about how they add value to the other. Um, I think the problem that a lot of the things that we're seeing now in terms of content from LinkedIn, um, and it's not all of it, sometimes there's some still genuinely really great things. And I even think there's some great things that come out of um, you know, the Liz's, Oleg's, Brigitte's, Kirsty's. There's some small nuggets of good that come out of there. A lot of the time it is sycophantic platitudes to make people feel better. But I don't I don't disagree with what they've been saying and talking about empowerment. I think they're going about it the wrong way. I and agree. rather than teaching people how to be above the business and be more than the business, you're not teaching them how to be equal to business and how to matter while still having a business conversation you know interviews aren't therapy um interviews aren't a place for you to go and exert new levels of self-esteem we've not seen before they're, they're business conversations yes. that an individual has with an organization representatives from that organization who they'll be working closely with yes. to make sure that they fit you know i changed the word interview to meeting recently in the last mm -hmm. 12 months and it's mm -hmm. changed the absolute mm -hmm. result of every single um, interview that has happened. Mm. And I think that's a great idea. And the reason is, I, I made this conscious decision about 12 months ago where I was starting to notice certain people of certain levels were getting very nervous about going for, for, for these interviews with, with, with senior people within management of, of these mm. companies, mm -hmm. especially your blue collar workers. Um, and they were going in and they were just absolutely ruining them. They were destroying their ability to, to actually sell themselves in there. So I changed it to go and have a meeting, go and have a, a chat, go and have a, you know, oh, what are they going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about your CV, obviously, and your career and your past, but also talk about what you want, what you're looking for. And they, oh, okay, mm -hmm. changed straight away. And people started becoming more susceptible to the conversations they're having. And it goes back to kind of, if you ever do business development, you try to find the win-win in things. And that's mm -hmm. that equal footing mm -hmm. is finding the win-win. And, and you found people coming out of those meetings and they were offering salaries a little bit below or not or quite on par with where they were, but they were happy to take the job because mm -hmm. they understood what was asked of them and, and what they needed to do. Yeah. It was, and they probably left feeling good. It, it, when they got the job offer, they were positive. Whereas before, yeah. they, were, they were going to these interviews, getting grilled, getting a job offer at the end of it, and then going, oh, I don't know if I could do that. And that's where mm -hmm. it was all falling apart for those particular roles. Yeah. Um, but then you, you listen to how senior people meet senior people in businesses or, or, or as mm -hmm. in the engineering world, white-collar people uh, in the contracting mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the permanent world uh, meet people. And they don't call it interviews. They do actually call it meetings. I've got to meet with this manager. I've got to mm -hmm. see 
manager. And I think that that's so the psychology changes, I think, when you do that. And then it's that even footing. And like you said, with the old legs and stuff, you know, they're not coming in soaking wet and then you know <laughs> and the manager's feeling so I'm gonna give you a job. No, that's not how it works. The reality is it's no. <laughs> if you come in soaking wet although, although that being said I, I did once accidentally turn up 50 minutes late for a job interview um, because when the interview was booked um, I was running um, around an area that had very poor signal and I just heard the interview was lots of big 2pm and I went okay yep that's great I've got all the details down um, I did get an email through but it went to my junk mailbox but in my little diary I've written down 2pm yeah. but being the sort of person I am I arrived 10 minutes early 50 minutes late to them I'm so apologetic that it was it ended up being fine um, I actually ended up working there so I couldn't believe I became an all-leg story of my own um, and I was I still I'm slightly mortified by that but honestly I was so so upset with myself <laughs> for that but but that, it's a genuine mistake. Yeah, it's a genuine mistake. And if you're ever going to be late for an interview, right, do that. <laughs> Turn up 10 minutes before the next hour and say, I thought it was 3 o'clock. I know. Uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Do do, do that. And, and look, genuinely look upset and feel like you're dying and go, ah, crud. Oh, it was an innocent mistake. It's all right. Not the fact you got up late that morning. You got the wrong train and... Yeah, no, I, I clearly hadn't. I clearly hadn't. It was absolutely, honestly, absolutely mortifying. I hate being, I hate being late for um, business appointments. Um, I, I'm so upset with myself. I'm still not forgiving myself, obviously, I either. I, I would be as well, and I'm, I'm a nightmare. I turn up to meetings and interviews a half an hour too early. I, I, I sometimes, oh I, I'm stand outside and going, right, I've got 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and then I'm there for about three minutes and go, I'm going in now. I'm going in now. Sit there yeah. right with me, and I. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready. I've had some brilliant conversations yeah, so, with receptionists before now. Just just sitting there for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> the best the best thing to do is go and have a conversation with the receptionist. Um I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but I always sense check to see how people treat the front house staff. Oh yes. Um that's a very it's a huge thing for me. I've always asked them. And if someone's been rude to my front house staff, I I will strongly recommend to the hiring manager that they don't they don't get hired. Um, because they, they, it, it's a huge thing. It's only happened twice. Um, but yeah, if someone's rude to my front of house staff or someone's rude to a colleague of mine on the phone, um, I'm like, Mm-mm, that's not what, not, not what happening. What a horrible place to, to, to do that though, is that you're horrible to the person in the front of house. You, that's a de- definite d- demonstration of the character you are if you're going to do that, first of all. Yeah, and- yeah. But why would you do that? At least pretend to be nice. <laughs> I think, do you know what? Um, there are some people who think that people who are in, in front of house or reception positions don't don't matter. Um, they're not as important, which is the biggest load of bull um, ever. Right, or they think that, that we'll never find out. And it's yeah. like, we know, we know. <laughs> I, I hate that attitude yeah. of people every job is important you know the person working in mcdonald's that's an important job because he's serving you food first of all but it's where they are in their life or how they want to develop their careers or wherever it is so don't ever judge anyone for what they do that that really bugs me that does that's yeah i can go on forever with that you know <laughs> yeah we've all been there though. yeah I think, I think we both yeah we i think we both did yeah I've, I've certainly been that don't I don't don't bother people more than is ever necessary I'm not I, especially my other big one is um contact center staff I'm I will confess I'm not always the nicest when I have to make a complaint to customer service but I always preface this with saying I'm very sorry I know this is not your decision because if it was you yeah. wouldn't be having it but this is my issue and I very much need you to escalate me so please escalate me yeah. um, but I do I tend to lead with my more direct side when I'm not pleased and it's not always pleasant Whenever I make a complaint, I try to empathise with the person I'm complaining with. I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just be like, look, I'm sorry. I get that you don't want to hear this. I really do appreciate what you're doing yeah. to fix this. But this needs resolved now for me, yeah. please. Thank you. This is <laughs> normally I, when I'm, yeah. I only complain about serious things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I don't, if, it, if it's something that, you know, is something tiny, I never bother complaining but it's it's but we see yeah. it, we see it in even our line of business I, I i i see it on social media quite a lot as well someone will go out their way to send me a message to tell me how much they didn't like my video or how much they didn't like i my- like it when 
somebody complains to an employer of somebody who works there because they disagreed with something, I, I no longer link any of my Facebook or anything else, my private social media, to anything to do with my work. I have a different name um, on, my, on my social media accounts. I don't make any references to it. I have a different email link to it to anything else. Yeah. Um, because I once had somebody complain to an employer about a comment that I left on a BuzzFeed article about anti-vaxxers. Um, which was which was absolutely amazing <laughs> but I did kind of get politely asked to make sure that I, I kind of removed that and that's when I, I did remove it because you're right people can really go out of their way especially for hot button topics and yeah. I mean I, I'm a very opinionated person <laughs> especially in my private life I, I, but I, um, don't look me up on Facebook anyone because I am as well because <laughs> uh, I, I go into some forums and I, I write especially about Brexit here at the moment, but that's a different story. Sorry, about that. I just don't get in conversation with me, Barry. Um, but I'm the same. I'm the same. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad I own my own business. And I'm self-employed because I'm pretty sure I'll be sacked by now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not that. Um, um, we have we have a very we have a very polite social media policy. Um, and if I ever stray too far to an edge, it's I'm yeah. very politely given the opportunity to pull it back, and I do, and I like that. That's a good. That's a good segment to talk about before we disappear. Because I know you've got you, you've got five roles in, in Luton to solve. <laughs> Six. Um, Six roles. Although one of them, I've just had the word that we're going to be getting the off right. So yay! Um, so one down, five to go. <laughs> there we go. I knew it. See, I knew five roles. Um, so this is a great segment. So, so you work for a company that has a social media policy. I have a social media policy which is basically don't be a dick that's my social media policy yeah <laughs> so yeah i think it's the best social media policy to have do you i guess as a company how does your company manage it do, do you let people just have their say or is there a is there like secret talks in the background don't do that make sure you just post this how does how does it work with, with you guys um, so, so I can only answer from from my perspective. Um, I have posted something that that, that somebody didn't like um, before, and I was given um, given some feedback about why they didn't enjoy it, and I was asked to remove it. And I said, "Well, I don't want to remove it, yeah. but I will change it. Is this an acceptable compromise?" And that was an acceptable. So I had a very grown up conversation um, with my business about that, and I think that's again another great sign of when I am um, is, is that we're able to have those conversations I've got a manager who is 110% in my corner yeah. um, for cool. that but at the same time I've never said anything too too terrible I think I'm, I'm with you on this one generally speaking you won't fall afoul of, of social media policies if you're using it correctly and appropriately um, and correct and appropriate is I know relatively subjective but I think you're right Wheaton's Law um, pretty pretty good good rule to live by um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I haven't heard of anything too too scandalous coming out of um, out of where we are which is a, which is a good thing but I guess you know yeah. we're, we're grown-ups and we work for a grown-up business it's quite nice I, I, I and that's the important part then that's why I say don't be a dick be a grown-up be be debatative. Debatative? What the hell is that word? Debatative. <laughs> Have debates. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where you're going with that, Mark. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I've said I've my degree's in English, and I'm like, where are you, where are you going with us? It's, it's in Welsh. It's in Welsh. Don't worry. That's being debatable in Welsh. Uh, honest. No, um, so be debatable. Like, I believe for ages that popty ping was the real word for microwave in Welsh, so you could say it, and I'd probably believe it. It's not. It's a made-up word. I but, know it's not. But on that it's, subject... It's broken my heart. Yeah, but on that subject, though, there was a lot of words that... Because Welsh is really old language. It's older than English. And there's a lot yeah. of words in English which is modern. And, like, um, mm -hmm. we, we have to Welshify. Ambulance. Ambulance. That's the issue with it. But back on social media, and, and this is like, you know, this is why I take that policy. Don't be a dick about things. Be adult. Be, you know, be challengeable. But don't, there's another word I just made up. Be, be challenging. Um, be, have debates. But then know the limits. Don't, you know, don't mm -hmm. suddenly see red because someone disagrees with you. People disagree with you. Accept that. Um, and walk away. People and if you're wrong, be, be okay with being wrong as well. Because, yeah. you know, 
we're, we're allowed to be wrong. But that's a life lesson, not just a social media lesson. And, and that's what I've learned on social media, that there's a lot of mm-hmm. wrong people on social media, including yourself. You can be wrong as well. Mm-hmm. Except that mm-hmm. you're going to be wrong and people disagree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, definitely. Hey, listen, I'm going to let you go to your jobs and fill them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you and I could probably talk. I'll keep you posted. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tell me how it's, and then if you, if you, this is me doing a bit of BD now, and if you don't fill them, let me know. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, that was natural. That was an appropriate example of business development after a good conversation with a client. That's that was the correct way to do it. You're right. If you require my support, be aware of where I am and what skills I can bring to the table. There we go. That is the right way to do it. Not, I can solve all your problems, because really, no, you can't. Nobody can suddenly make me a size 10, stop my cats from doing nuclear stinking poos in the middle of the night um, for me to just, just perfectly ready to walk through my bedroom door and solve all of my issues with work and make sure that, you know, because it's a thing. But I guess I digress away. Um, other than the, you just poured your life out about. on the podcast. <laughs> I did. Yeah, this is this was my life. Yeah, so that's the thing. Nobody can solve all of the problems, but talk about what what you can do to add value to a business. That's, that's <laughs> the last statement about business development. And talk about how you can add value and talk from a place of actual knowledge. Don't just don't nonsense it because yeah. it's not true. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that is the issue, isn't it? That is the issue at this moment in time. There's there's some bad training, bad bad coaching, and, and just really bad mm-hmm. selling. And the person that's doing it is not a shit person. They just need some help and no. support. So just give them that help and support. Yep. To get them better. Exactly. Exactly. And when you get that help and support, if you get the constructive feedback, um, learn from it. I guess. Um, as the name of this podcast is going to be, take accountability of that as well. Yes, take accountability. We love that word. Uh-huh. Um, Mark, thank you so much for giving me this platform. I genuinely really appreciate it. It's, it's a real honour to have been invited on. Um, and thank you to everyone who has listened to my slightly grating voice for the last hour. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful voice. Don't tell anyone <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let you i'll let you crack on but have a good one mark and uh speak to you soon all right take care bye-bye thanks bye-bye the message is quite clear there taking accountability for your career for your future for what job you go for you'll be a lot more happier you'll have a lot more stable job especially if you're engaged in that job and you really want to be there because you've done your due diligence before you entered that company. But also, I think it just shows a level of EQ and even IQ of who you are and what you are. Because, you know, in all intents and purposes, if we start doing that, we don't only just question the type of job we got, we question other things in our lives. And it's connected. It's all connected. Let's admit it. You know, relationships, friendships, everything we take accountability for things a lot more i believe even though you probably have to deal with a lot of issues but i believe you will be a lot more happier in your life and that's my kind of write-up about this it's quite deep i've got very deep sorry about this but this is what this podcast is about it starts with you remember thank you for listening take care bye-bye <laughs>